Hello, my lovely people, and welcome back to The Fletcher Files, a Murder, She Wrote podcast with your host, Monty. This week, we're talking about My Johnny Lies Over the Ocean. Season 1, episode 15, first aired February 10th, 1985. The IMDb summary reads, when Jessica's recently widowed niece takes a cruise to get away from it all, a would-be murderer follows her. Uh-oh, danger is afoot. At sea. <laughs> so the first scene, actually, before we get to the first scene, this is one of the only episodes, I believe, where we meet one of Jessica's siblings and their child. We finally can connect one of her thousands of nieces to their parent to that is the to the parent that is related to Jessica. This when does this ever happen? Only in this episode. Anyway. <laughs> so the first scene is a dream sequence and we see a woman that we find out is Pamela. She is at her home getting ready to get in the pool. She has a bit of fun in the water. Um and all in slow motion, which you know is never good, right? Then she gets out and as she comes into the house, I don't know about you guys, but this is the first time I noticed um at the first point at which I noticed there was a heartbeat in the background because it started to get louder and faster. So I became concerned about what was gonna happen next, right? So which was the point of it, right? (laughs) So she walks into the living room she stops, she screams, the camera turns, and there is a man, we find out it's her husband, is laying on the ground uh, on his back, and we can see that there's blood on the front of his shirt and a gun in his hand, well, right next to his hand, indicating that he has um, unfortunately uh, completed suicide. The next scene, we're at a sanitarium. And we meet Jessica's brother, Marshall, so Pamela's father, and he is a surgeon and he is speaking with the psychiatrist uh, or psychologist who um, runs the sanitarium. And this doctor is telling him that this is the perfect thing for Pam to spend time with her beloved aunt, uh, to get out of the facility and really start living her life, which... I appreciate because he also said if she stayed any longer, one of two things would happen. One, you would just be paying us this money for nothing. Or two, you'll be paying us this money and she would get worse. There's a possibility that she could actually regress by staying here any longer than this. So the fact that they did not keep her any longer than they felt was medically necessary is amazing for one and two the fact that they did send her to a sanitarium and did not treat her differently or fragile when she got out you know Jessica wasn't dealing with her with kid gloves or anything which is great she wasn't overly harsh but she wasn't treating her like there was something wrong with her which was also great so the next scene we see, we meet George and Andrea. 
Now, Andrea is clearly a businesswoman. She has things to do, people to manage, even as they're getting ready to go on vacation. She just wants to check in one last time to make sure everything is good. She then is, I don't think she wants to go on the vacation anyway. It looks like she would prefer to be working. And maybe it's one of those people who does not know how to relax. But her husband, George, is like, no, you needed this. You need to turn off. I will let you do this one, make this one call, and then our vacation starts. You can't think about it. So she says, okay, and goes off to make her call. We then see Jessica, Pam, and Marshall taking pictures. So Marshall has a professional camera, but he still... (laughs) needs to set up shots and you know all of that stuff Jessica's like my face is hurting take the picture Marshall (laughs) you know he always does the most but I think it's you know in part because he's still um, unsure about how Pam is and with her leaving on this cruise ship and there's nothing he can do I'm sure he 100% trusts Jessica and that she can you know, whatever Pam needs, she'll be there for her. But, you know, that's his little girl. He says it. And it was nice to see that no matter how old uh, his daughter is, they would have you believe that she's in her 20s. We'll get to that when we get to that. But despite that, he is still protective, which was really nice to see. Not even going to lie. So uh, they then want to take a picture of the three of them and Andrea is walking by. So they ask her, can you please take a photo of the three of us? She agrees, but she's like, I'm a terrible photographer. Like, okay. So Marshall's like, just press this button on top. She's like, okay, got it. Yeah, what button was that? I was like, (laughs) ma'am, you run a whole business and we find out what type of business she runs. It's real estate. She owns a number of properties that she then leases out to People. I don't know if she leases out to businesses or to individuals, whether it's residential or commercial or both, really. But she's a shrewd businesswoman, <laughs> but she can't work a camera for the life of her. So he tells her, okay, yeah, no, the button on top, that one right there. Great. So she looks through the lens and she takes the picture and they thank her. Now, as an aside, I will say how much I appreciate now being able to immediately see how well or how terrible the picture is that you took okay i did i i'm at an age where i did use disposable cameras (laughs) and that was really never a good thing to use at a special event to be honest (laughs) you had to get the one with the flash and um those were a little bit more expensive, but you had no idea until you got the pictures developed what they looked like. And a lot of times they look like trash. So <laughs> at least he had a professional camera, but, and we'll see what the photo looks like that she took, okay? But I definitely remember a time and now I would never go back to that. I would never go back to that. The professional cameras now, you can see the picture immediately too. That was an amazing invention. Oh, thank God for that. (laughs) So then we next see and meet Carla and Phoebe. 
who in real life are amazing comedians, both of them in their own right. Uh, Vicki Lawrence, uh, Joanne Worley, just amazingly funny women. And this is the perfect role for them because it's comedy relief, but subtle. It's not over the top at all. It's the perfect amount. And they're trying not to miss the crew. They're yelling at each other. <laughs> they're grabbing luggage. They're running. Uh, Phoebe is, is screaming at the ship to wait. Now, honestly and truly, you don't want to get left. Now, at least they were home. You know, it would be worse if they were at one of the ports of call in another country and got left. Uh, that that's That's where you got the problem. But at least you can then just go home if you're at um, the original port. So they make it on the ship. Okay, long story short, they make it on the ship. Just barely. But thankfully they do because we need them in this story. We need them. So the next scene, we are on the boat and Jessica and Pam are walking down the um, the deck and... A gentleman, we find out his name is Russell. He bumps into her. It's like, oh, I'm so sorry, you know, whatever, whatever. And Pam, to, to which Pam says, after he passes by, oh, he must be a school teacher. Jessica was like, uh, if I didn't love you, I would take offense to that. Because yeah, Jessica was a substitute English teacher. Okay. <laughs> and soon she's going to be a college professor. Okay. So don't shade teachers or that man, okay? He was a good-looking man. He's a little nerdy, but kind of like in a Superman, like Clark Kent Superman type of way. And we see him without his glasses in another scene. So you'll see what I mean when we see him without his glasses, okay? So the next scene, we're at the purser's office. And Jessica is turning in her traveler's checks for cash. Ah, uh, traveler's checks. I worked in retail and those sucked. So <laughs> I never actually used them when I traveled. Uh, I would just use cash. When I was old enough to travel on my own, I would use cash. But um, yeah, every so often we would get traveler's checks from tourists and they weren't difficult to process. They were just so rare. Uh, by the time I was working in retail, it was a to-do. Anyway, back to the story. So I have no idea what a shakedown cruise is. Um, now, I've heard of repositioning, meaning that a cruise was on one route and now they're moving the ship across the world to start on a different route and you can get discounted tickets for those cruises. They don't have as many amenities. Obviously, they're not really stopping at a bunch of islands because they're going across the world to reposition, but I've never heard of a shakedown cruise, but apparently that's what this is and it's only 90% booked and it was nice to see that Jessica really is a class act. She didn't want any special treatment. It wasn't her doing on um, scheduling this. Apparently she has uh, her publisher working as an assistant, I guess. <laughs> so she doesn't mix stuff up like she did in, in uh, Murder to a Jazz Beat. 
where she was supposed to dedicate that library, but she was in New Orleans two days early. Anyway, I'm glad that she uh, had somebody else. She delegated this task to somebody else because she is a busy lady. And this also would explain why a lot of times she will do everything possible to not have to get the people, the powerful people that she knows involved. But when she does have to use that, uh, drop those names, she does it. But it's very rare and it takes a really serious situation where she is unable to, with her talent and wit, get the answers that she needs. So I appreciate that she uses that as a very, very, very last resort. And now she feels better because her publisher didn't have to use um, her, drop her name in order to get a spot on that cruise at the last minute. So the next scene, we are in the cabin with Jessica and Pam. Pam is already in there uh, waiting for Jessica to get back. And Pam is visibly upset. And my, because she has been reading the um, suicide letter that her husband left. Now, my question is, why didn't the sanitarium take that letter from her? Because clearly it is a triggering um, device, right? So I would think that they would have taken that letter and not returned it to her. I don't know if they have the power to do that. I definitely can't, you definitely can't destroy it. Um, But they hadn't worked through her not needing to carry that letter everywhere she went because it's just going to bring this up and it's going to refresh and remind her of that terrible day. I I don't know how she still has that letter. I, I really don't because she didn't go home. She went straight from the sanitarium to the cruise. So it wasn't like she had it at home and ran home and got it. So the sanitarium would have never seen it. But she says she doesn't go anywhere without it. That's, yeah, she, they needed to work through her attachment to that letter while she was in the sanitarium, just just saying. And as an aside, Jessica's white dress with the red, white, and blue scarf, oh my goodness, perfection, period. Okay, back. Um, And now... Pam is upset and Jessica is doing what Jessica does and trying to comfort her. And and we find out that Pam really has delusions about marriage. Now, we don't know anything about her parents' marriage or anything like that. We, we don't know. She considered Jessica and Frank's marriage to be perfect. Now, she didn't say anything about her parents and what she observed in the home, but she was comparing her marriage to Jessica and Frank. And Jessica's like, no one's perfect. You know, you think that you know people, but different situations come up where you see a different side of them that you've never seen before. Nothing is perfect. No one is perfect. So, you know, you go through ups and downs, but you have to work through it. And we learned that Johnny kept secrets. He never told her about the financial issues he was having which is a big red flag that he did not trust her enough 
to let her know that they were having financial problems because then maybe she could get a job or if she was working, get a, um, a better job. They could have worked on it as a team. And I think she thought they were a team, but clearly he didn't. She also reveals that she he didn't tell her he was adopted until four months after they got married, which is also a red flag because he didn't trust her enough. Now, we don't know how long they dated. We, we don't. But you're going to marry this person and dedicate the rest of your life to this person. And you, but yet and still you don't trust them enough to reveal that you're adopted. Now, he didn't find out that he was adopted four months into their marriage and then tell her. He knew years before that. So it would be different if he had just found out and immediately told her, oh my God, I just found out I was adopted. But yeah, I think that was, there were some cracks in that marriage already before he he took his life. Now, while they're in there and Jessica has now kind of gotten Pam in a, a decent place, uh, we meet Ramon. Now, he is spicy, okay? <laughs> he's a bit cheeky. He's a, he's a lot. He's a lot, okay? <laughs> and he comes in with champagne and he's like, is there anything? I would, I'm happy to serve you and your sister. I was like, okay, yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> he knows what he's talking about. He knows how to get good tips. And so he leaves and Jessica's like, I'll flip you for him. Heads I lose, tails you win. <laughs> so she loses both times and Pamela would end up with him both ways. He's like, no, he is all yours. Thank you very much. And so Pamela looks at the card that came with the champagne and it is addressed to Pepper. And Jessica's like, well, who's Pepper? And to which Pam's like, that's a nickname that Johnny had for me. He was the only person who ever called me Pepper. So now it begins. The next scene, we're at the dining room and Carla and Phoebe are coming in. And the maitre d' is like, oh, okay, so you're at table number whatever. And <laughs> Carla's like, yeah, no, no, no. Now, I think it was a 20. I couldn't tell what bill it was. It could have been a 50, you know, depending. She says, um, yeah, I don't, know what, I don't know what table that is, but there is a Oklahoma cattle king sitting right over there. Now, how did she know that for one <laughs> I'm just thinking about that now. How did she know that he was an Oklahoma cattle king? Like, was she like listening at doors and stuff like that? They didn't have the internet back then. So it's not like she could find him on Facebook or LinkedIn or something. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe she had seen him in the newspaper and recognized him. I, I'm going to guess that's what it is. But Carla did not come on this cruise to play. She was like, you want to be stuck with one of them stewards this whole week? And no. She is trying to secure a husband. Leave Carla alone. She's trying to secure herself a husband. Let her be. Okay, let her have a, the best cruise of her life. Okay. <laughs> the maitre d' surely took that bill and was like, yes, um, sir, uh, place them at table 24, wherever the um, Oklahoma cattle king was. <laughs> and so 
I was like, Phoebe, either get on board or stay out of her way. Stay out of her way. <laughs> so they go off to their seats and George and Andrea come in. Now, I originally thought that Andrea's outfit was a white uh, jumpsuit. I was like, oh my goodness, that is a gorgeous jumpsuit. Then I looked a bit closer this time and it's actually a, a blouse and pants, but still with a silvery belt, it was still very, very classy. I loved it. So George directs Andrea, Andrea, sorry, I know a girl named and who pronounces it Andrea. So sorry. Um, George and Andrea go over to Jessica's table, uh, Andrea's like, so you're already trying to like network. Okay. You're trying to hop tables. He's like, no, no, no. I just want you to meet somebody. So he says that to Jessica that he's a big fan. He's read all her books. Um, so he should know that she is a top flight detective. Uh, but you know, that's never stopped anybody. So they they introduce each other, uh, they greet each other, and then they go um, to their table. After George and Andrea walk off, Pam says, oh, maybe we should have insisted that they, they sit with us. And Jessica's like, well, if you really want to accompany during dinner, what about that young man, right? Who we find out later, his name is Russell. And he is wearing a very nice three-piece cream color suit. I was like, okay, sir. Yes, on this cruise, just dressed to the nines. Okay. He is looking at you, kid. <laughs> and she's like, oh, no. Aunt Jessica, what are you trying to do? Don't try to set me up. And she's like, it's so terrible to eat alone. And Pamela's still not giving in. She's like, all right, whatever. Let's, let's look at the menu. And so... This also made me think that she is trying to set Pam up. How long has Johnny been dead? Like how, we have no, like I said, they have no, there's no concept of time here because we don't know how long she was in the sanitarium. We don't know how long Johnny's been dead. Uh, but Jessica's like, hey girl, he cute. Y'all need to get together. Work it on out, girl. So like, I know she's young, you know, I know she's young. So maybe that's why Jessica is more apt to try to hook her up with someone as opposed to, um, even though she is, you know, single and loving her life. But I, I feel like this is kind of soon, but you know what? Johnny could have been gone for a year for all we know. So, um, I don't think we have any concept of how long Johnny's been gone, but Jessica is trying to set her niece up. Okay. She's like, don't be a widow forever like me. Okay. You, you young. <laughs> you better hurry up and catch that man. <laughs> it's like, dang, Jessica. Shoot. She just got out the sanitarium and, you know, still mourning her husband. She's like, mm -mm. go on talk to that young man. He looked like he got a good stable job too. <laughs> so, um, they're reading the menu and she then reads the special that's uh, paper clipped to the menu and not 
for nothing, but that chicken dish did not sound appetizing at all. It really didn't. Period. So, <laughs> and I don't think Jessica was actually listening to what she was saying because she was like, hmm, that sounds delicious. It does not. <laughs> doesn't now I think she said it was in a honey mustard sauce and mushrooms and wall chopped walnuts stuffed in chicken I'm like that's too much you're doing too much you're doing too much now if it was um a nice mushroom sauce over chicken you would have got me with that I would have been like good let's work this out I prefer steak but you know that would have been Fine, but no, you it, no, that's too much. That's too much. And clearly, the Mater D found that it, they figured the same thing. It's like, what's this nonsense? This is not on the menu. This must be somebody's idea of a joke. So agreed. But um, apparently, that was an entree that um, Johnny loved. That Pamela had just created herself. That sounds like something when you got a random stuff in the refrigerator and cabinet and you whip it up together and <laughs> apparently he liked it. It tasted good to him and probably only to them. Okay. <laughs> so the next scene, we are back at the purser's office with Miss Shelley. She's the purser and Jessica. Now... Miss Shelley's hair is gorgeous. So Jessica asked for the note requesting the champagne be sent to the room. She said, if it was waiting for you when you got here, then it was ordered before we um, disembarked. Well, before we embarked. If it came while you were on the ship, then some it was ordered while after we embarked. So she said, no, it was brought to us in our room. So she's like, okay, so let me look. She's like, well, it has to be someone who's on board because uh, it was ordered on the ship. Here is the request. And so Jessica pulls out the letter from Johnny that she has thankfully taken from Pam so she can't dwell on it. Because, of course, Jessica is also a handwriting expert. Uh, she compared the two, and they looked very similar. And indeed, they did. Indeed, they did for a general um, look at both of them, a, a general comparison. Yes, they did look very similar. So the question then becomes, how did Johnny, who's been dead for however long, we don't know, uh, order the champagne to be delivered to Pepper's room while on board if he is gone. Is he a ghost? See, no, they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't, they wouldn't do that on Murder, She Wrote. Anyway, so the next scene, we're out on deck and it's evening time and Pam is out there alone, just becoming one with nature. And uh, I will say I've been on cruises before and it's sometimes it is difficult to find a quiet spot, but usually in the later evenings, like after dinner and a while after dinner, <laughs> a while after dinner when it's dark out, it's usually really quiet and peaceful. 
So I can understand her being out there just really thinking about life and everything. And then she hears a man's voice whisper Pepper. Now, how in the world is that whisper that loud? Because it sounded like it was coming over the PA system, okay? Because clearly the audience had to hear it, right? I'm not talking about that. But where she was standing, she heard it. Then she started to walk forward and up a set of stairs and you could still hear it as loud as when she first heard it. How in the world is that happening? Like, I, well, it, we needed to move the plot along. I personally would have been like, not today, not today. I don't know what that is, but I am going back to my room. Like this is, no, no, this is not cute. I don't know who thinks this is funny. I'm going to my room. I wouldn't be going up no stairs. <laughs> that's too much that's too much anyway so um next thing we see is Carla and she is on 100 flirting with the Oklahoma cattle king and she's like oh doggies little little puppies I had a puppy growing up he's like no no, no ma'am you misunderstand they're unbred cat uh unbred cows she was like oh little baby cows oh yeah I know what that is this is not and he's talking above all of our heads except if you are in except if you're in that industry other than that just over my head (laughs) but she is smiling and making contact and has his arm and their arm in arm and she this is the most interesting thing that she has ever heard in her entire life she is doing the most because like I said She is trying to secure a husband. And Phoebe has left her to her own devices. (laughs) So then Jessica comes up to Carla and uh, the Oklahoma Cattle King. I forget what his name is. Um, But she comes up to them and asking if they saw her niece. And Carla's like, oh, no, we haven't seen her. Then we hear Phoebe screaming. And they all... We see Russell, he looks and runs down the stairs. Jessica looks, sees who it is and runs down the stairs. It is Pam and she's laid out with a gash on her forehead. Side note, how does she hit her head and get a gash on her forehead? If she fell down some stairs, I, maybe she hit on the handrail? I don't know. That that didn't seem like an appropriate uh, injury for what happened. But anyway... So she's knocked out and Russell comes down. He checks her pulse. He's like, she's still alive. Call the medic. Um, so they get her to the hospital bay and they bandage up her, the cut over her eyebrow. Now, in real life, a cut over your eyebrow bleeds like you would not believe. Just like you would not believe. So that little bit of blood she had wasn't realistic. But not important, but important. Anyway, so (laughs) she is explaining to the captain and Jessica and the doctor who's, you know, keeping an eye on her that um, the next scene we're at the captain's office and we are meeting the captain Daniels and Jessica. And so the captain's like, well, like, are you trying to say someone's trying to kill your niece? And she's like, uh, definitely trying to terrorize her. 
Uh, which, yes. Yes, indeed. So, um, he was asking if the champagne, if there was anything wrong with the champagne. And Jessica says, I don't know the difference between a brute and a sangria. I'm like, okay, Jess. Well, no. Okay, writers. Yeah, that was a bit much, but anyway. Um, so we learn that Pam heard her name, her nickname being whispered loudly. And she was going to try to figure out where it was coming from. She walked up the stairs. Someone grabbed her and then pushed her down, shoved her down the stairs. And that was the last thing she remembers. My thing is, as long as, if there was no indication that she was drunk, then I would believe that someone shoved her down the stairs. Um, so <laughs> the captain's like, no, you probably fell. <laughs> like, no, that's what you need to have happen. So, you know, this doesn't look bad on you as a captain. But somebody shoved her down the stairs and could have seriously injured her. Um, that cut, I'm sure, is not great. Like I said, it should have been bleeding a lot more, to be honest. Um, but she is being protected. She's being kept in the hospital and someone's keeping an eye on her because she did lose blood so that at least she's safe for the night. The next scene, we're on the deck and Jessica's walking and she stopped by Andrea who is there with George. They're laid out reading and uh, Jessica's like, oh, no, no, no. She just stumbled and fell. Like, no, no one tried to push her overboard. Um, no, that's just rumors. She's fine. She's perfectly fine. Just She just took a little tumble. So, yes, Jessica keeping family business in the family. They don't need to know. I don't know you people. I'm not going to give you specifics. You could be suspects. You know, I don't know who I can trust on this ship. I got to trust the captain and the doctor, but I ain't got to trust none of the rest of y'all. So... <laughs> Exactly, Jessica, exactly. So Jessica finally gets to Pam and um, they are now walking together on the deck and they're talking and Pam's like, well, maybe I didn't get out. Maybe they let me out of the sanitarium too soon. Uh, I don't know if I'm 100%. But Jessica's like, no, that's nonsense. You're fine. You're perfectly fine. You know, there's just, there's somebody who is literally doing this. This is not all in your head. This is actually happening. And so, which I appreciate that she told her that, like, don't let her think that this is all imaginary. Jessica's like, no, 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 no. Don't listen to those people. This, somebody is doing this and we going to figure it out. <laughs> this is unacceptable. So at this point, now I don't know how long they've been walking, but it seems like they have are deep in conversation that Pam finally realizes that there's somebody following her in a full white uniform. <laughs> Jessica's like, uh, yeah, so he is your security. Just calm down and enjoy him. <laughs> it's like, okay, Jess. Uh, well, at least you didn't try to hook him up, uh, hook them up together. <laughs> But speaking of that, who, but who do we bump into? Russell. Uh, but before we bump into Russell, we find out that Johnny's adopted parents died in a car accident several years ago. And that, so I'm, I'm guessing 
they died in a car accident several years ago before um, Pamela met him because she never met his adoptive parents from what it sounds like. So um, she then says that the reason he knows his birth, that he was adopted, is because his birth mother contacted him by sending him a note. A note. I did not realize until I watched it this time that she contacted him uh, by a note. Now, I just assumed that she called him, set up this meeting, and then was a no-show. But apparently she contacted him via a note to set up a meeting and then he shows up, she doesn't show up, and he just drops it because he's like, it's better to not know than to know for sure because who knows what I could find out uh, in meeting her in real life. So as they're um, continuing to talk and walk, Russell comes up and he asks if she's okay uh, because he was there when they found her after she fell and he just wanted to make sure that she she was okay. And she's like, oh, no, I, I'm good. Thank you. Now, this is when we see him without his glasses. And you see what I mean about the Clark Kent Superman situation? And my point is proven further in a little bit. Uh, well, at the end, at the end. Uh, you'll see how that all comes together with my whole Clark Kent uh, Superman theory. So um, Jessica's like, oh, you want to come for, we're taking the nice constitutional, nice walk around the decks. You want to join us? He's like, oh, no, no, I wouldn't want to interrupt, et cetera, et cetera. She's like, no, come on. You, <laughs> like, you ain't got nothing better to do. So <laughs> she didn't say that, but that's what I'm saying. He ain't have nothing better to do. So he joins them and literally 30 seconds later, she's like, oh, look at the, Jessica's like, oh, look at the time. I have an appointment. Okay. Um, I had to go. No, no, no. You two continue to walk. Y'all, y'all spend some time, spend some time. So Pam is like, Aunt Jessica, she's like, no, go ahead, children. (laughs) I love it. So the next scene we're at, we're in the captain's office and Jessica is on the phone with Marshall. And now we find out that Pam never told him that Johnny was adopted, uh, which I think is interesting. But, you know, maybe he maybe she thought he was going to be judgmental. Um, But the fact is, he didn't have any parents by the time that she met him and would have been introducing him to the father. So I don't know what difference that really would have made. But whatever. She didn't feel comfortable telling her father that Johnny was adopted. Um, And then Jessica's like, well, we have to find out who his real mother is. His, not real mother. His adopted mother was his real mother. To find out who his biological mother is. And so he's like, I don't know how to do that. Aren't those records sealed? And so she's like, if you're still drinking buddies with Judge, whatever his name was, then you know, get it out of him. So (laughs) Jessica's like, use your resources. Reminder, he, this person is a resource. Use them. (laughs) I love it. I love it. So uh, Marshall also tells us that um, just an insignificant thing, like I'm sure it's not important, but a few days ago, um, Pam's house was broken into 
but it doesn't look like anything was stolen. So Jessica's like, not even uh, a recipe book or a recipe card. And he's like, what? She's like, never mind, never mind. So, um, it seems, so her house was broken into a couple of days ago. While she was in the sanitarium right before the cruise is when her house was broken into. So the person broke into the house or hired someone to break into the house in preparation for this, um, for terrorizing uh, Pam on this cruise. So then Jessica's talking to the captain and he's like, oh, I got a ship full of people. Like, what am I, what are we going to do? And she's like, listen, like we can narrow it down. Now, Johnny's birth mother uh, is probably in her early 40s. And there are only three women on board who fit into that category. The two secretaries who we know are Carla and Phoebe and Andrea Reed, to which... um the captain says, uh, well, you know, there's also um, Miss Shelley, who is a, um, who is the purser. We met her as the purser. And she is 43, according to her records. And that um, she was insistent about being on this ship. So she is now a viable suspect. Just before Jessica leaves, Captain, the captain says, well, um, I don't know about Andrea Reed. Miss Reed, she's a shrewd businesswoman. I've known her for years. Her and her husband honeymooned on the ship, aboard the ship last year. If she's insane, then I am too. To which, this, this is where it's at. This is the quote of the episode. To which Jessica said, that's precisely what the Borden said about their daughter, Lizzie. Period. Close quotes. Done. That's it. He was left dumbfounded, as he should be. <laughs> That's how you leave a room, Jessica. So <laughs> the next scene, we are on the deck with Russell and Pam. And Russell is telling Pam a bit about himself and how he is he practices karate two times a week, I think, two or three times a week. He's not a black belt by any means, but, you know, he, he does it to keep in shape and et cetera, et cetera. Again, Superman. So, <laughs> so we then see Jessica and Ramon. Ramon runs up and says, oh, Mrs. Fletcher, uh, the photos that you sent to be developed uh, are here. I was going to leave it in your room, but you know, I, I see that you're here. So, <laughs> and so he's like, I didn't see you at the dance last night. I was really upset about that. So, um, how about tonight? And you know, I can show you my hoochie coochie. <laughs> what? I was like, wow, he's wild wild. She was like, how did you know that that is my favorite dance? He's like, I'll see you tonight. I'm like, no, you won't. <laughs> you better put that hoochie coochie away. What? Anyway, so we're back to Russell and Pam and we hear a, an announcement over the PA system uh, asking Pepper Crane to come to the purser's office. Now she hears this and Pam hears this and is like, what, what? Oh, 
I, I got to put a stop to this. Jessica hears it as well and makes her way to the purser's office. When we get there, Pam gets there first and busts in the door. And she was like, is, do you think this is funny? This isn't a joke. And Miss Shelley, with a straight face, is like, I don't know anything about a joke. But this came over the wire for you. And um, I couldn't read what the rest of the telex said, but it had Johnny in quotes, which I thought was odd. I don't know if on um, on telexes, if um, on telegrams, if the name is supposed to be in quotes. I thought that was really odd. And they zoomed in on it. So clearly they're, um, I don't know if it was because it said Johnny or because it said Johnny in quotes. I, I don't know, but they zoomed in because it's important. And then Pam just passes straight out. It just straight falls on the ground. Nobody's on the other side of her to catch her. Just straight lays on down on the ground. Now, as an aside, so why does Miss Shelley and Pam look the same age? Now, Miss Shelley is 43 and Pam is supposed to be in her 20s. But they look like they graduated high school together. Okay. And then Jessica and Andrea look like they're the same age. So I don't know about this casting or maybe people just look older back in the 80s. But I was like, these ages do not add up. Okay. So they then take this time for the captain and Jessica to speak with Miss Shelley about why she was so insistent about going on this, uh, about working this cruise, to which she says that she had a break, a bad breakup um, of a, a love affair. So yikes, she was a mistress. Mm. Not judging, but wow. <laughs> well, at least she was honest, right? And that she just needed to get away. With regards to the telex, she said, it was received several days ago with a delay to transmit for that day and that the sender remains anonymous. So Miss Shelley then leaves and the captain's like, okay, well, let's go talk to the two secretaries. And um, Ramon comes in and says, well, Carla and Phoebe are in the dining room, but I can't find Mrs. Reed. She's not in her room. So they're like, so the captain's like, okay, thank you, Ramon. And he says, well, okay, Jessica, let's go to the dining room to speak with them. To which Jessica turns on her flattery skills and convinces him that he may be intimidating to these women and they may be more willing to talk to her without the gold braid of a captain visible. So he is flattered and agrees. So (laughs) Jessica got a bag of tricks. Okay, all of them work (laughs) well. So the next scene, we are in the dining room with Carla and Phoebe. Carla is taking all of the desserts. You know what? I'm not judging her. You're on a cruise. You eat as much as you want to. It is included. Do you, Carla? Do you? Now, the 
Oklahoma Cattle King turned out to be a jerk, which I was like, ah, I could have told you that um, from when you were walking with him on the deck. But she is distraught that uh, he was not a suitable match for her. So now she's eating these desserts. To which Phoebe's like, you know, don't ask to borrow my bathing suit after this. Um, girl, uh, you shouldn't be sharing your bathing suits anyway. <laughs> that is unhygienic, okay? <laughs> now, clearly she was saying that because um, she was saying Phoebe would put on some weight and stretch it out, but still, I'm like, girl, don't share your bathing suit. That's That's not hygienic. That's not cool. But I, I love the banter between the two of them. Like just the right amount of funny. That's why perfectly cast. Perfect. Now, Jessica comes down and uh, she has to sit and they're chit-chatting. And she goes back into her bag of tricks to find out uh, about how Carla and Phoebe got onto this cruise in the, at the last minute. So they explained that they work for an insurance company and next year they were planning a six week vacation in China. So the company told them last week that they had until Friday to schedule their vacation days off or they would lose three weeks for that year. So this was the only cruise that they could get on with that short of notice. So they have a valid reason for being last minute passengers. So then as Jessica is at the table speaking with Carla and Phoebe, George comes up and, and greets them. And Jessica's like, oh, hey, uh, um, Mr. Reed, we've been looking for your wife and we can't find her. He's like, first, the name is George and Andrea is in our room. And she's like, no, the steward went to check and he's and she's not in there. He's like, oh, she must be. Now I'm going to do a, a little bit of a spoiler here. Okay. So George is the murderer, right? And when he says she must be in the room, he is really saying, now I made sure that she was dead, dead before I left. There is no way that she was still alive and was able to get out of the room. Because if she did, I am going to be arrested. So he was desperate to ensure that she was actually in there dead. Because he was real concerned at this point that she had somehow faked being dead and now has exited the cabin and, uh, and the jig was up. So now back to the scene. They go to the room, he opens the door, and of course, Andrea is there, passed out, dead on the bed. And um, he was correct. She had to be there because <laughs> he had murdered her there. So we're in George and Andrea's cabin, and the captain asked Ramon, like, you said that she wasn't here. And he said, well, I knocked on the door, and I didn't get an answer I didn't think to unlock it, which is 100% understandable. And that's why he didn't get in trouble because this was not life or death. It was, hey, we just want to talk to her. Can you go and let her know we would like to talk to her? If he knew that this was as important as it was, then he would have unlocked the door. So the doctor 
tells us that Andrea was dead for at least an hour because she was already cooling. We learned that Ramon had knocked on the door about an hour and a half ago. So either she was in the process of being murdered or she was already dead an hour and a half ago when Ramon knocked on the door. The next scene, we're in Jessica's cabin. She has brought George there, uh, obviously to get him out of the crime scene, which makes sense. And the captain comes in. Then Jessica shows George a photo that had been clutched in Andrea's hand. And it was of Pam and her uh, husband, Johnny. She then says that, I don't know if it was Jessica or the captain, said that in her luggage, there were additional telephoto lens photos of Pam and Johnny. So clearly, whoever took them were was doing surveillance on them. Uh, there was also in her luggage samples of Johnny's handwriting, as well as a birth certificate for Johnny showing that Andrea was his mother, his birth mother. While they're in there, while they're in Jessica's cabin with the captain and George, George gives this soap opera-esque uh, description of the last time he saw Andrea. And, you know, I love how they're playing this dramatic music too. And, you know, <laughs> it was... Uh, Jessica did not believe it. Now, I think the captain did. Maybe he believed it. I don't know. But Jessica was like, are you serious? That is the straight face of a person who is calling BS. She kept it together very well, but I know she was like, all of this is a lie. All of this is a lie. <laughs> he think we stupid. It's a lie. And soon after he finishes this incredible story about the last time he saw his beloved wife, uh, Ramon comes in and Jessica's like, this is very important. We can't be disturbed. And he's like, no, there's a very important call for you in the captain's office. Very important. Very important. Now we're in the captain's office and it's the captain, Jessica and George. Why is George there? Okay. Like they could have left him in Jessica's room while they had this phone call. It's very strange to me. Anyway. So it's Marshall on the phone and Jessica was right that his contact with the judge um, allowed him to get information about Johnny's birth mother. So what we find out from Marshall, although a bit late, uh, his contact was a good resource as Jessica thought he would be. We find out that 26 years ago, a 17-year-old young lady named Andrea Jeffries, I think the last, I think her maiden name was Jeffries, um, gave birth to Johnny. So that would mean that Johnny was 25, was 26 years old. That man did not look 26. It would also mean that Pam was around that same age. She looked a good 33, not... 26. I don't know. Like, again, I think people may have looked older in the 80s. <laughs> so the next scene, we are um, on the deck and it's Jessica and George. She runs out after him. Um, 
to see if there's anything that she can do for him. And she says, well, you know, as soon as they find the PI who took these photos, they can confirm and, you know, be and close the case. And he's like, oh, no, I'm sure that Andrea took these photos. She was an expert photographer. Well, George, you said too much. And this was the nail, the final nail in the coffin. Because Jessica already knew what had happened, but you just confirmed her suspicions, okay? (laughs) You really was just digging your own grave. You were digging it. Now you had that last shovel full. Go on and get in there because it's over. So... (laughs) So after um, after that, the next scene, we're in the hospital. Jessica is going to get Pam to take her back to the room. And Pam's like, "Is it's true that Andrea is Johnny's birth mother? And Jessica says, yes. She's like, oh, that's so awful that she was carrying around that guilt and would do such a, do all of this to us. Um, you know, she must have been a very disturbed woman, something like that. And Jessica's like, oh, no, no, she didn't take her own life. Um, she was murdered by her husband. I just have to, I just haven't figured out how to prove it. So like I said, Jessica already knew George was the person. I don't know at what point, but for sure when he said that she was an expert photographer. So the next scene we are on the bridge. So this is where this, I don't want to say the steering wheel, you know, (laughs) this is where the captain directs the ship from. (laughs) It's not a steering wheel, but you know what I mean? So it's the captain and Jessica. Jessica is trying to convince the captain to detain George and the captain is having none of it. He is not risking his 19 years of experience over this. He says, you give me the flimsiest of evidence and you expect me to detain this man. Um, I, there's no signs that it was homicide. I am not doing it. Sorry, not sorry. And I have to agree with him because Jessica has a lot of insight. Her assessment is on the mark. However, her experience and her knowledge is much different than that of this captain. He doesn't have the same confidence in your assessment, even with the flimsy, quote unquote, flimsy evidence. He doesn't have as much confidence in that as you do because you have the experience and knowledge and have done the research to know that you're correct. You have to give him some grace that he is not in a position to understand that you are correct and rely on that to make this decision that could end his career. So I'm not mad at him at all. Now, he didn't say, thank you, you can get off my bridge now. Okay, that was a bit, that was a little rude. (laughs) It's like, I said, good day, ma'am. I said, good day. <laughs> but he he was right in being hesitant to detain this person. 
the next scene is the setup. We are in George's new cabin because clearly they didn't want to make him stay in the room where his wife passed away. Um, and he's drinking and he says, oh, um, he's talking about wealth or something, however he put it. He said, what, what is it? 37 buildings, 856 units with 97% occupancy rate. So he was about to get money, money. She was definitely a, uh, well, the captain said shrewd, biz- uh, shrewd businesswoman. She was wealthy. She was doing excellent for herself. Um, but now it's all George's, so he thinks. And then we hear a knock on the door. And Jessica saying, George, uh, oh, Georgie, uh, <laughs> she is great. Um, so he goes, he answers the door. He's like, what's this all about? And Jessica is allegedly three, four, five sheets to the wind. Now she is champagne drunk. Now how classy can you get? Not wine drunk, but champagne drunk. So. <laughs> nothing but the best nothing but the best so she's like I have this photo and it's the photo from the dock that Andrea took and I think Marshall's head is cut off Jessica's head is cut off and I think because uh, Pam is a little bit shorter than them you can see most of her face but it was clearly not a professionally took taken picture and so Jessica's like, yeah, I'm going to show this and they're going to see that she wasn't a professional photographer and that they're going to find the that you lied and they're going to see that you murdered her. And so he's like, okay, now I'm concerned. And she's like, I have the negative. It's important to have the negative, <laughs> which is true. And don't ever have the negative on you because then if they murder you, then they're going to take the negative too. So secure that. When she walks off to say that she, she's like, you've had it, Buster, <laughs> walks off. Um, George goes and gets a jacket. I'm like, dude, you're thinking of murdering this woman and you're getting a jacket because it could be chilly outside. Like, come on now. Come on. Man up. If you're going to murder this lady, you don't need a freaking jacket. Okay. <laughs> it was a windbreaker too. It wasn't even like a lined coat. <laughs> nonsense anyway so he runs out after her and she is like stumbling like cold needs to hold on this wall and I have to say now I have never been drunk on a cruise ship but I I feel bad for the people who make that horrible decision because if you're at sea and especially in the back of a ship where it tends to rock more oh my goodness, I can't imagine you not getting sick. Like you already have your balance off and then it's even worse because the ship is rocking. Oh, (laughs) your balance is at negative 90 degrees. That's a mess. But but she's stumbling and tumbling around. He catches up with her and he's kind of like following behind her. Um, He seems to be like maybe 30 seconds behind her. 
And I'm like, you can't catch up with this old lady? But I guess he's waiting for the perfect spot to, to catch her. So she goes downstairs and he gets to the top of the stairs. He sees her at the bottom. He runs down and then he kind of jumps on her back to which he's surprised that she struggles and flips him over <laughs> onto the ground. He is surprised. Uh, then there are camera flashes. <laughs> and he's, and then Jessica comes out from the door and he's like, Mrs. Fletcher? But then who's, he turns around and it is Russell in a blonde or gray wig and a hat wearing Jessica's coat and scarf. <laughs> that karate came in handy, okay? But <laughs> where did they get that wig from? <laughs> y'all are on a cruise ship. Did y'all go around like, anybody got this wig? Anybody got a short wig? Where y'all get a wig from? <laughs> y'all did it up. Y'all did it up. Y'all done found a whole wig in the middle of the ocean uh, to in order to trick George. All right, I see y'all. I see y'all. <laughs> So anyway, so he is then caught. Clearly, Russell is a superhero. So <laughs> the next scene, we are at the port of call with the captain and Jessica. And judging by the outfits of the police officers, the police uniforms, they are in some Caribbean country. So... um Enjoy that jail while you can, I guess, <laughs> George. Uh, the captain tells us that George made a full confession about about the psychological warfare uh, on Pam, as well as murdering his wife. Apparently, soon after Andrea and George got married, she told him about Johnny. Um, and that she had given him up for adoption. And the captain is like uh, a case of too much candor. I'm like, sir, uh, that's her whole husband. <laughs> why is that a problem that she, t well, okay. He turned out to be a scammer and a murderer, but why shouldn't she have felt comfortable telling him about her, the child that she adopted uh, a child that she gave up for adoption as a teenager. Like, it's not something to be ashamed about. Uh, so why wouldn't she tell her whole husband? <laughs> Maybe that's why you single, Captain. <laughs> like, I ain't telling nobody no business. <laughs> it's like, oh, I got 18 kids, but she don't need to know about that. You ain't got to be that candid with your whole wife. <laughs> Sir, no, that's not how it works. Anyway, Jessica says, well, I just feel that if we found out the truth sooner, maybe we could have saved Andrea. And the captain at this point, having, I guess, heard the entire confession is like, no, uh, George had planned this, you know, a long time ago, probably as soon as they got married because he wanted money. So he had planned to do this to Johnny, but by the time he had it set up um, or was ready to go forward, Johnny had already passed away. Then he figured he could do this to Pamela, but she was in the sanitarium until a few days ago when she got out to go on this cruise. 
And I'm like, how did he find out she was going on this cruise? Like, is Jessica's travel plans in the newspaper, maybe? I don't know. Like, maybe that's how he found out. But I don't... That's the only way I can think, that someone did a story about Jessica being on this, going on this cruise with her niece. And that's how he found out. But she only got the tickets like a week before. So I don't know. I don't know how he knew she was going to be on this cruise ship. It is never addressed. Anyway, so um, he wanted Andrea's money. She's extremely wealthy, but he couldn't divorce her because she had made her entire fortune before they got married. And they had only gotten married a year before. Because remember, the captain said they honeymooned on his aboard one of his ships last year. So they had only been married for a year. It would have been an annulment, to be honest, for that short amount of time. But he wanted all of the money. And the only way to get that was to kill her. Yeah, he he's the he's a terrible person and he should be in prison for very 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 forever. Forever ever. Forever ever. <laughs> a horrible person and you know, I feel bad for Andrea because you know, she clearly her business was her focus and she thought like she probably thought oh this guy Whatever he said, she probably did not think he was after her money. You know, maybe he paid for dates or did whatever to make her think that he was not with her for her money. Or she didn't care. You know what I mean? Like maybe she knew if he divorced me, he wasn't getting a dime of this. Maybe according to her will, he wouldn't have got a dime. So she's like, okay, I want companionship. All right, he's good to look at. I don't care if he's with me for my money. I just want companionship. So maybe she was cool with it. Who knows? Anyway, so hopefully Pam and Russell get together. We don't know. Um, We learned that Russell is also, Russell is a divorcee. And um, so he's free and clear. Uh, She's free and clear. I hope they got together. Now, we never hear about these people ever again, but I'm hoping that they got together and made it work and live happily ever after and have a bunch of just adorable children um, who will grow up and then Jessica can go and visit them as well. So (laughs) I was like, I should keep an ear out to see if any of her nieces and nephews later on in the series uh, has the last name Tompkins. (laughs) See if this worked out for them, all right? Anyway, so that's that on that. Um, Another great episode. This is one I do have on my DVR and I watch it frequently. And, you know, it's funny. Every time you watch it, you find something new, especially when you have to sit and take notes. You notice things (laughs) and you have questions. So thank you guys for joining me this week for my Johnny Lies Over the Ocean. Next week, we will be discussing Paint Me a Murder. (laughs) So if you want early access, go over to Patreon, The Fletcher Files, and 
If you want to hear my review of a Christmas mystery, that's over where? Patreon, The Fletcher Files. And on January 15th, I will be uploading my book review for Gin and Daggers, a murder she wrote novel. And where can you find that? On Patreon, The Fletcher Files. (laughs) And, or you can find me next week, same time, same place, wherever you listen to this podcast to hear Paint Me a Murder. So if you listen to this on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give me a five-star review. I appreciate it. If you want to reach out to me, you can reach out to me on Instagram, the Fletcher Files Pod on Instagram. (laughs) And I also have a Facebook page, the Fletcher Files Pod on Facebook. Or you can shoot me an email at just me being dramatic at gmail.com. All right, guys, see you with the next one. Bye.